Uh, but Luke chapter 13, we're going to be kind of in the middle uh, of the chapter, starting in verse 22. So Luke 13, 22 says this, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Uh, then said one, of, uh, one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? That's a good question. And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not when she are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when ye shall, shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. Lord, we thank you for its promises, for its truth. Lord, I, prepare, I, I pray that you'd just ready our hearts today, Lord, for your word. Lord, that you'd use me to preach. But most importantly, your Holy Spirit would touch hearts today. Uh, and Lord, would uh, see those that are, uh, maybe those that are questioning, those that are lost, those that are backslidden. Lord, I pray today would be the day they'd enter into the gate of salvation. And Lord, come back to you. And Lord, I pray uh, that your will would be done today, Lord, in all things. And Lord, bless the kids downstairs. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. So Jesus, it says, is on his way uh, to Jerusalem there in verse 22. Uh, so he is slowly teaching and preaching in the towns that he, he encounters along the way. Uh, and then while he's traveling, people ask him questions. And through the Gospels, we don't have everything that Jesus ever said. Uh, but we have, there were time to time that are recorded in the Gospels. There are questions that, uh, you know, that his disciples asked. We've got questions that uh, people that were were kind of following Jesus other than his disciples. They asked him questions and then his enemies asked him questions too. The Pharisees, the lawyer, they were trying to trip him up. Uh, so we don't have every question, but we have some that the Bible uh, uh, deems are important. And this is one of the questions that we have uh, here today. Lord, are there few that be saved? So we know if they're asking this question that Jesus was teaching about salvation. Jesus was teaching that there's a difference. There's going to be a group that's saved. There's going to be a group that has their sins forgiven. There's going to be a group that's going to heaven. And then Jesus was teaching there's a different group that's still in their sin. That's rejecting him. That will end up in hell. Uh, so Jesus taught this. You know, sometimes I, I hear people say, well, I, I just believe what Jesus says, yet they won't read the whole Bible of what Jesus said, because he said a lot of things. You know, he said, I come to divide and people don't like that. Right. They they talk about the love side of Jesus, but there's the division side as well. And he uh, so he taught there'd be a difference. So now uh, uh, he's teaching that and there. Uh, and here's the thing with his answer in verse 24. He could have said everyone's going to be saved. Right. That's what they're asking. How many? How many will be saved? He could have said everyone's going to be saved, but he didn't. Right? So anyone saying that uh, uh, that anybody, everybody saved, Jesus died for everyone, which he did, but now then everyone's saved no matter what they do. That's not true. 
Look at how he answers. So what's he say in verse 24? Uh, the most important verse of it, he says, strive to enter in at the straight gate for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Notice he doesn't answer the question right off the bat. Right? Are there few was the question. And, and Jesus answers and turns back to the questioner, strive to enter in at the straight gate. So here's the thing. Have you ever wondered whether someone else is saved? Right? You wonder whether a relative or a friend or someone else is saved. And that's kind of what they're kind of the part of the question. Are there, are there going to be a lot of people saved or few? Uh, but Jesus is not answering that part of the question. He's asking his own. In this, in this statement that he's making, are you saved, yeah. right? Yes, we, we can wonder about other people's salvation, but you don't have to wonder when it comes to yourself. Right. Are you saved? That's what he's saying. Strive to enter in. You know, it's a blessing today. If your parents are saved, your spouse is saved, your friends are saved, your coworkers are saved, that's a blessing. Uh, uh, but are you saved, right? That, that's the question. Are you saved? And notice what else? He doesn't say 24. He doesn't say walk into the straight gate. You see that? He doesn't say walk. He says strive to enter in. And that strive is like an agonizing word, like a, uh, uh, like a pushing word. And it's almost like an athlete making preparations right before the game uh, that they would uh, agonize over everything, right? Uh, uh, before a game, you're going to uh, prepare for it by working out. You're going to practice. You're going to train. You're going to have the right diet. You're going to sleep, uh, uh, get enough sleep the night before and everything else. Why? Because it's hard work and all these preparations and everything else. And here Here's the thing, uh, uh, if you're, uh, uh, human nature wants us to be, we want to be lazy, right? We don't want to, we don't want to work hard. We don't want to be disciplined. We want to eat what we want to eat. We want to stay up late. We want to do all these things. But when you're striving, you can't do all those things. When the big game is, uh, is the next day, you can't do all that. And he's saying, strive to enter in at the straight gate. You know what that tells us? There's uh, uh, the gate. You know, there's a struggle there. And why is there a struggle? Because it's straight. Now, notice that word. I'm saying it. Uh, it's S-T-R-A-I-T. And that not only means not crooked, but it means uh, narrow, strict, difficult. Right. You have to strive to get into the gate because the gate's narrow. Right. This world does not have a narrow gate. There, uh, there is, this world says uh, there's a wide range of ways to get your sins forgiven and go to heaven. Well, they don't even think you're in sin. Just uh, all kinds of ways to get to heaven. Uh, but the Bible is narrow. Amen. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, right? He, he said, I am the door. If you want to get to heaven, it's through Jesus Christ. It's a narrow gate. Narrow. That's why he says you got to strive. You're not going to accidentally go through the narrow gate. You can accidentally uh, walk into a different uh, religion or cult or something like that, or they knock on your door and you can just start following them. You're not going to accidentally follow Jesus Christ. Right. You got to make a decision. That's what he's saying. You're going to strive to do this. And there's not a wide way, uh, a wide variety of ways to get your sins forgiven. It's through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is now answering the question, uh, are there few or many? He says, many will seek to enter in, but not be able. Many people want to go, 
to heaven, right? Many people want uh, uh, their freedom from the guilt of the sins of their past. Many people want a new start. Many people want peace in their heart. They want all the benefits of salvation. They want uh, everything that comes on the other side, but they don't want to enter into the narrow gate of Jesus Christ, right? Why, Why are our churches not full today? Why do people hear the gospel? Why do we share it with them and they reject it? Why, why does this happen? Or why do they put it off to another day? Matthew 7, 13, this is earlier. This isn't a parallel passage, but actually earlier in Jesus's ministry. Matthew 7, 13, Jesus said this, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, uh, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, one of the reasons that many seek to enter in and they don't is because there's so many gates out here, right? There's so many choices that people can make. There's a lot of choices uh, uh, of religions and different things and morality and everything else that are bigger and broader and wider and more accepting, right? That's the word today. They're more accepting. They're less restrictive. They're open to anything. There are huge gates you can walk through in this life, right? That will let you do anything. And that's what people want today. But Jesus said, my gate's narrow. Amen. It's a narrow way. It's narrower than the world's way. There are many ways that lead to destruction and we see it all around us, don't we? How many different ways do people lead to ruining their lives and lead to hell and everything else? And even uh, through, here's the one, there's the gate of financial success. We've seen people walk through that gate and enter through. And Jesus talked about what happened to the rich man, right? He opened his eyes in hell being in torment. He walked through that gate. Uh, Herod, remember him? The different ones in Herod's line, uh, the different King Herods. He walked through the gate of power. And what happened? Even though he had access to Jesus Christ, he missed out on the Savior. The gate of career and business. Remember one uh, man came up to Jesus and wanted to follow him. And he basically was telling him, uh, you've got you've to stop right now and follow me if you want to do it. You've got to walk away from those things. And he said, I've got to uh, uh, go bury, suffer me to bury my father first. And we read that. We're like, man, uh, he can't even go to the funeral. That's not what it was saying. He was saying, hey, let me take over the family business and take care of it until my father dies. And then at some point in the future, I'll come follow you, Jesus. And Jesus said, it doesn't work that way. Right? He's going through a different gate. And then the gate of empty religion led so many Jews to reject Jesus Christ. But we see a lot of gates today, don't we? The gate of baptism. I've ran into that one a lot. They were baptized as a kid and they think that they're okay now. That's not a gate that leads to heaven. The gate of drugs, gates of alcohol, the gate of following your own lusts and on and on and on. But really all they are is one gate that's broad and includes everything and it leads to destruction. That's what Jesus said. Many there be which go therein. Many are going in the gates that lead to hell and it's sad. You know why they're going in that gate? Because the devil makes it look so appealing. He makes it look so good. 
He says, you'll feel good. You'll be accepted. Everything will be okay. You'll be fulfilled. But it's all filled with lies and deception. Because on the other end, many times, by the time it's too late, they're already sucked into these things. They're living these lifestyles. And the devil has them in the palm of his hand. And he's they're following this. And on the other side of that gate is more sin, more pain, more mental anguish, more depression, more death, and then hell. That's the other end. And here's the thing, if you go by what the Bible says, getting saved is not really that difficult. Asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins is not the difficult part. The difficult part is getting to the gate. Amen. It's, 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 it's forsaking all the other gates and saying, I don't want to go the broad way. I don't want to go the way the world's going. I want to go through the narrow gate of Jesus Christ. That's the hard part. Because the devil wants to get you out any other way. And then if that doesn't work, he'll put every obstacle in your way to come. Coming to Jesus Christ. Everything. Right? He'll convince people that they're good. And that their sins don't matter to an all-loving God. And their good moral life will get them to heaven. That's an obstacle. That's a lie. That's deception. He tries to convince people that Jesus wasn't God. He was just a good teacher. That's a lie. Tries to convince people that this Bible that we love so dearly is full of errors, right? And you take the parts you don't like, and obviously that's the error, right? I was talking to someone yesterday, a relative, and I said, have you ever noticed that the people that don't believe everything is correct in this Bible, the parts that they don't think are correct are the parts they don't agree with? Amen? Amen. I tell you what, the whole thing is true. Whether it works, whether it fits my life or not. Amen. I've got to fit my life to it because it's all true. Well, yeah, they'll say the, they'll, the here's what they'll say. They'll get real spiritual on you. Well, uh, this isn't all correct, but the original copies are correct. Well, you, we don't have them. OK, and guess what? How can I trust a God to preserve me for eternity if he can't preserve his word for eternity? Amen. This is true. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Obstacles in the way. He'll convince people they can't go straight to Jesus, but they'll have to go through somebody else first. Right? Pick anybody. You go to them. You go to the priest. You come to me. You come to Mary. You come to anyone. And they'll get you to Jesus. That's an obstacle keeping you from Jesus. I cannot save you. You come to me and ask uh, for me to pray to Jesus to save you. I'm going to say you pray to Jesus to save you. Skip the middleman. Go straight to him. Amen. Those are obstacles to keep you from Jesus. He tries to convince people there's nothing after this life, no judgment. So you just live for today. That's a lie. Sometimes he tries to convince people they've done too much wrong, that the Lord will never forgive them. That's a lie. And then the big one, he just convinces people to put it off for another day. That's another obstacle, isn't it? Obstacles and so many more. Even though coming to Jesus is really easy. I've told you that's that's the easiest part. But so many people don't think it's necessary or don't think it's the right time or 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 they, you know, whatever excuse they have that they're rejecting the free gift of salvation. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He opened up that gate with his own blood. He died for our sins so that we could go through him. And that's why he's saying because of all this opposition. 
the bigger gate, the obstacles and everything else. He says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Many wanted to go to heaven. Many thought they were going to heaven, but they're not able because they tried to go under another way. Forget the false religion. Forget the popular beliefs. Forget your own opinion or any other lie. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what I trusted at at nine years old, and it's still working for me today. Amen. I'm not still using it every single day, but I'm going back to that verse every time that, uh, that the devil tries to convince me that because I'm not feeling good or because things aren't going well today, I just have to come right back here and say, devil, uh, down the road in Ashley, when I was nine years old, I was under conviction all the way home from church, and finally we got to the living room, and I asked Jesus into my heart, and he saved me that day. I may not feel good today, but I'm safe today. Everything may not be okay with my finances or with health or anything else, but I'm safe today. Amen. Why? Not because of what I've done other than I entered into the narrow, straight gate of Jesus Christ. And I am not trusting in anything else. Nothing. That's it. But you need to strive today. Many of you have striven in sports, striven in other things and agonized and prepared and got your body in tuned and everything else that it took. You need to strive to enter in. And the striving part is to get everything else out of the way and say, you know what? I want Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Strive to get past the devil and his lies. Strive to get past the world and their life. Strive to get past your own flesh. And your own excuses and everything else to get to Jesus Christ. Why? Jesus goes on in verse 25. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door. And ye begin to stand without and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not when she are. Then shall ye begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in your presence, in thy presence. And thou hast taught in our streets. And what's he say? He told him to strive to enter in. But now he's talking about a future day. There will come a day. When the gate, the door, whatever you want to call it, is shut. Not that I shut the door. Not that you shut the door. The master shuts the door. Right? Remember Noah and the ark? Did Noah shut the door of the ark? No. The Lord shut the door. And what happened? That kept Noah on the inside. And it kept everyone that rejected the ark on the outside. This is exactly what we're seeing right here. Right here, the master of the house, the Lord, Jesus, shuts the door and nobody else is entering through the gate anymore. Let me tell you something. The devil doesn't want you to believe this, but you and I do not have forever to decide whether what we're going to do with Jesus Christ. We don't. I can't tell you when the door will be shut for your life. I don't know how long you're going to live. I don't know when he's taking the Lord, the church home. I don't know any of these things. I don't know when and neither do you and neither does anybody else. So you have to be ready because if you're not, you risk 
coming up and finally being ready, finally pushing off all the excuses, finally uh, getting to the time that you think it's right, and all of a sudden the door's shut, and it wasn't shut before, and you're knocking on the outside, and you're crying to the Lord, and he's saying, I never knew you. We didn't have a personal relationship. We could have when the door was open, but now it's shut, and now it's too late. Oh, but Jesus, we ain't drunk with you. We had a meal with you, right? This could have even been somebody that was there when he was feeding the five thousand, feeding the thousands that had a, a, a fish sandwich that day and watched the Lord do it and saw his power and saw other miracles and everything else, but didn't have a relationship with him. Lord, I ate uh, the, the meal you made that day. I never knew you. I never knew you. Lord, I came to victory so many times. I sang songs, I prayed, I put money in the offering plate. I, I might have even become a member and everything else. I did all these things. And he's going to say, he's not going to say victory never knew you. He's not going to say Pastor Mike never knew you. He's going to say I never knew you. Yeah. Because it's him. He's the gate. Yeah. And it's narrow. It's not church membership. It's Jesus Christ. Those people that will find themselves on the outside. They're saying, man, we were so close to you, Jesus. We heard you talk. We heard you teach. We, we felt the power of the Holy Spirit. All these things. You were so close to us. But you never repented. You never confessed your sins. And you never trusted Jesus for salvation. Verse 27. But he shall say, I tell you. I know you, not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. I think this part is especially for the Jews right here. They would have claimed, what did they claim over and over again? We're a Abraham's our father, right? We descend from him. Uh, we're Jews. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all the patriarchs. Uh, uh, Elijah and everything else. They'd name all these things. But Jesus is saying, that's great that you're a Jew. That's great that you're in the line uh, of Abraham and everything else. But what about your relationship to me? That's what he's saying right here. You had no relationship with me and you're going to find yourself on the outside while they're in paradise. But look at verse 29. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Remember the question at the beginning. Remember the question. Are there few that will be saved? Right? Right? That was the question. Well, he answers it. There's few that are going to come in the narrow gate. But now he gives a little more description of that few in verse 29. See, the Jews, remember, in the Bible, Jerusalem's the center of the world, okay? So if we're talking about northeast, southwest, it's not from Marengo or New York or Paris or anything else. It's from Jerusalem, okay? You got that? He's saying, yes, there'll be few that enter into the straight gate, but they're coming from all over the world. That's what he's saying right here. And this would have shocked the Jews. They're saying, wait a second. You mean Gentiles are going to be sitting down? and eating with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the prophets in heaven? He said, you bet. That's what he's saying right there, right? They'll be coming from uh, the West. Who's coming from the West? That's us, right? I don't, maybe you don't know a whole lot about geography, uh, but the Middle East is over here and we're over here. 
we're coming from the west, amen, right? What's the east? You know what I think about? Facebook's been reminding me of this stuff over and over again. When we went to go see our Filipino brothers and when they come to visit us here, all those ones are east of Jerusalem. Guess what? Uh, there's going to become a day when we're in heaven where all our Filipino brothers and sisters that we've met and worshiped with and everything else, they're going to be with us too, right? And then I, again, Facebook's reminding me we go south, right? We've been, to, uh, we've been to Haiti, Central America. We've got missionaries down in South America that we've met, different things. And we're, we're going to be sitting down with them as well. Praise God. Uh, we're pretty north, so I don't know as many people further north than we are, uh, but they'll be there too. Uh, but I just thought about that for a second. Can you can you just imagine uh, the, this group of people, and it says that they're shocked. So why do we get up here week after week? Why, why do we bring you messages of salvation? Uh, why do we bring things that step on toes and everything else uh, and point you to Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why I don't do it. I don't do this for popularity. Look around. Amen. Right? I don't do that. I don't do it for money. If you didn't know this, the church doesn't pay me and I don't need it. Right? I don't do it for that. I don't do it for fun. It's hard work. Amen. Getting everything ready and everything. But God's called me to do it. And God's called you to spread the gospel. God's called you to be a witness and everything else. But I'll tell you what. I know what I want. I want everyone to go to heaven with me. Amen. I want them all to go with me. Yes. And I'm trying to do as much as I can. That's what we need to do. But look at that verse again. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And I thought about some things this morning. I thought we've worshipped with different ones over the years. And just for a second, I want you to think about heaven. And think about us all together at a banquet table of Jesus Christ. Amen. Think about him at the head. And then I look across the table over here. See Dorothy and Howard over here. Reunited together. Woo! Look over there and see, you know what I probably see? I was thinking of this this morning. I don't know. Lord puts these thoughts in my mind. I don't know if it's what it is or not. But I was just thinking, imagine seeing Walter and Oliver and Kent all sitting together over there. I tell it, Walter's telling a story, of course. You know, we're all laughing about it, right? And others, we could go on and on. Granny Step over there. And different ones, Brother Clovis and other. And I start thinking about that. And, and parents and different ones that I never met that I, uh, different ones that are lineage that were, uh, that shared the gospel, that preached and different things. And I said, praise God for that. There is coming a day when we will be united. They're coming from the east and from the west and from the north and the south. Why? Not because of what we've done because we went through the same narrow gate of Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's coming a day. Amen. We're going to be reunited. But you picture that scene and how wonderful it is. And how amazing it'll be. And then know this. Jesus said, if you don't go through him, he said, you yourself will be thrust out. You're not coming through that door. You're not going to be sitting with us. You're not going to be enjoying it. You're not going to be with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets. And you're not going to be worshiping Jesus around the throne. None of it. You either enter through the straight gate, and
and you get all the splendor of heaven and everything else, or you don't. You go through the broad gate that's all-encompassing with everything else, and you end up in hell. And that's it. And do I like preaching that stuff? No, but we've got to. Amen? I will trade a crowd in for the truth every time. Right? Keep the truth. And if the crowd doesn't want to hear the truth, so be it. But I'll tell you what, that doesn't stop us from giving the truth every time. But now, what about you? What about you? We're hitting the end of the service. What about you? Have you strived to enter in? Have you entered into the gate of Jesus Christ? Have you called on his name for salvation? Have you done that? I think there's been some people that have come time and time and time again, have heard the truth time and time again. But I think the Lord is telling you it's time to make a decision. Because he said, this is Jesus' words, not Mike's words. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and ye begin to stand without, and you're knocking, and he's saying, I'm not opening it. It's done. It's done. You've striven to do a lot of things. What about Jesus? Are you going to give your life to him? Because I tell you what, on the other side of the narrow gate is things we can't even imagine. Yeah. Splendors beyond uh, the Bible. Uh, the people that saw it couldn't really describe it. We don't have words to describe it. And then Jesus getting to be with him is the best part of all. I'm going to ask everyone to stand this morning.